episode. This is an outside recording. I I know it's been a while since I've done one of these. And so tonight is going to be about me and my attempt at camping in my backyard. Right now, standing in my backyard facing away from my house. Did you hear that? <laughs> this is where I start hear, hearing all kinds of strange sounds. I'm, uh, I have my back to my house and I'm facing my backyard and it's just, I don't know, I guess an average size lawn in front of me. What I'm going to tell you about tonight and what I'm going to do tonight is it's all going to be about camping in my backyard. So I'm going to tell you about my attempts at camping or sleeping in a tent in my backyard. But I'm going to do that inside my tent. So I'm going to walk over to it. And I, I don't know how good this is going to sound. Tents, or at least my tent, has a real crinkly bottom. And so this may not be the best recording to fall asleep to. I don't know. It probably won't be. But I like things. I like doing outdoor recordings. It's a nice, uh, fun change of pace. So, let's go and uh, get in my tent, settle in, and then I'll tell you about the challenges that I've had with trying to sleep in, in my backyard. The setup that I'm using is the same setup that I've used for most of my recent prior outdoor recordings. This is a stereo setup, so my voice won't be in, in stereo because the microphones are still there, kind of attached to the side sides of my head. But all the ambient sounds that you hear should be in stereo. What I've been recently hearing is like a motorcycle sound, but that should be in stereo. So I'll start walking on my grass, and you might be able to hear my feet. I'm wearing Crocs. <laughs> you won't be able to tell that, I don't think. I'm standing in the the middle of my lawn. Oh, and of, of course it's nighttime right now. So I have a long sleeve shirt on so I don't get eaten up by mosquitoes. But I have shorts on like a dum-dum. So I'm probably getting bitten. I don't feel it though. Alright, I'll spin around in a circle. And if you listen 
boxes you hear in the background, they, they should be in stereo. They should move around a little bit. Right there, there aren't that many sounds. Alright, let me go get my den. It is in the corner of my backyard, underneath a tree. slowly because my my digital recorder is hanging around my neck and I don't want that bumping around. I think I hear like extra weird noises whenever I record. Alright, I'm at my tent. I'm gonna find the zipper. sound. So here is one trick that I've learned. I'm not a big camper. So if you're a big camper then you already know this trick. When you get into your tent, you don't let your tent door flap kind of fall into your tent because if there's any wetness on the flap I discovered <laughs> I had some slugs that were on the flap of my tent and I opened up my flap door I let the flap kind of just flap into the tent the slugs went on my pillow and then I kind of woke up with slugs on my face <laughs> it wasn't scary I just felt stupid sitting in my tent and 
backyard, and most of it has been successful. So this isn't going to be a tale of how it never happened. It's just going to be some tales of the challenges that I ran into. Alright, here's how it started. My desire to sleep in my backyard. I was in my bedroom watching one of those survival TV shows of people sleeping out in nature and trying to survive. Alright, I, I wasn't going to tell you the name of it because you might raise your eyebrows, but it's the Naked and Afraid TV show. You may have heard of it, but it's just weird. They just send people out into the woods with no clothes. I don't really know. I don't get that part. But I like the, the survival aspect of it. And I was watching it and I was thinking, I don't want to do what they do. But I would like to sleep outside in nature. And they like sleep on the ground or on these bamboo platforms. I wanted something a little better than that. So my first idea was a hammock. <laughs> I bought a hammock that you hang up between two trees and I made sure to buy one with a mosquito netting built into it because I didn't want to wake up looking like a raisin because the mosquitoes had drained me dry so I hung it up between and all that went well. The, pro the, the first problem was with the mosquito netting. I, I bought a really cheap hammock. So it didn't really have a good way to keep the mosquito netting kind of up and away from my face. There are some really nice hammocks with mosquito netting and they have a, like a built-in kind of frame system. So the mosquito netting uh, is kind of pulled away from you, more like you're in like mosquito net bubble. So I had to make this cherry rig thing with mini bamboo stakes they're like I think they're made to go in your garden and I stuck those in my netting and then pulled on those from the from each tree and it, 
so everything was pretty much working great. I really enjoyed, I slept in it several nights. I could look straight up at the stars. The mosquito netting was held up away from my face. And it was pretty fantastic. Until the weather forecast was not so good. So it, I couldn't sleep in it if it was going to rain. I didn't have a, a hammock with a rain fly. They do have those. But I figured I was ready to upgrade to a tent in my backyard. I wasn't even sure if I had a tent. <laughs> what was that? Did you hear that? It sounded like a bird being strangled by a cat. I wasn't even sure if I had a tent, so I asked my wife, and she wasn't sure either. I rummaged through our garage, and sure enough, I found a two-person tent. And I kind of remembered it from a long time ago. So I dragged it out, brought it to my backyard. I set it up. And the first thing I discovered is that the, like the screen portions that are windows, there were some holes in them. My concern with that was mosquitoes and bugs getting into, getting into, getting inside my tent. So I just got some backing tape. I took a piece of backing tape and I put them, put, put it on each side of every hole. And my hope was that, like, I, I knew it wouldn't stick well to the, to the netting, to the fabric, but wherever the hole was, the backing tape should stick to the other backing tape on the other side. And it basically I solved that little problem. I got it, got the tent fully set up, and slept in it that night. And it did rain a little bit, which I wanted because I did want to test my tent and see if it was waterproof. And the answer is no, it wasn't. So I kind of got rained on a little bit, or got wet. There was some water coming in from the top and the sides, a little bit from the bottom. It wasn't majorly horrible. But I still slept in it, and I enjoyed it. And it was supposed to just be a trial thing anyway. Because I knew the dent was old, and once I saw the holes, in the screens, but I knew that if I liked sleeping in this tent, it was going to be time to order a new tent. So I guess maybe I was happy it leaked, because it made it an easy decision to just buy a new tent, 
and that's what I did. I bought a, it's a, I think it's called a Coleman Sundome. I think it was like Amazon's number one choice for dents. Not because it's expensive, but it was really well priced, low priced for its size. I purchased a four person dent, so there'd be plenty of room for my wife and I. got it set up. It was easy to set up because it was exactly like how the other dent was set up with the way they did it. Not because Coleman copied them, but I probably because the other dent copied Coleman. I couldn't even find that other dent that I had. I looked up the name and I went searching and I think they went out of business. Coleman probably sued him for copying them. I don't know. There's probably some interesting business story there. So I set up my new four-person tent. And it was nice to have the extra room because it, it was larger. There were no holes in the screen. And I wanted it to rain to test my new tent and have a nice, fully dry night for the first time. But guess what? It was not fully dry. I was really shocked. I had some water coming in at the corners. wasn't just allowing drips to come in, but almost a, I wouldn't say a puddle, but there was a good amount of standing water. And I, I had to move my little uh, sleep pad away from it. And I brought out a towel, and I just put the towel down in the wet area to kind of soak it up and it's still here in the tent so that was that was about two three weeks ago I haven't really checked it to see if there's mold on it or not <laughs> I should I was really bummed because this was a good brand I mean it wasn't expensive tent but it was a good brand tent, and I thought I'd be okay. It wasn't just one corner. I checked all four corners of my tent, and each one I could see a little bit of water come through. So, I took some pictures, and I sent them to Coleman, and I just, I simply asked, you know, is there a fix for this? Is there something I can do to easily fix my dent. And I don't know, I guess my hope was that they'd have some like easy patch system or they'd say just do this and it'll stop. Or I'd just ship up this dent, you know, pack up this dent and 
they just exchange you for a new one. Well, they were really nice. And they said they were going to send me a new one. And that I could keep this one. I was like, alright. So that's why it's still set up. So I am in the slightly leaky tent in my backyard. And I haven't set up the new tent, so it arrived. I didn't set it up because I figure this one will be my backyard tent. I mean, it's it works. So I, I think it's a waste to throw it away. And the other one they sent me, if, if it was the same exact model, then I probably would have set it up and tested it. But I notice it's an upgraded version that they sent me. So I wonder if they discontinued this version because of problems like mine where they kept getting complaints of holes in the corner of water in the corners. So I'm optimistic that this newer version they sent me won't have that problem. I'm an optimistic guy, I guess. So, I'm just going to keep using this one. And now the, the water doesn't stress me out because I have another tent. So, I feel fine about that. And it's, it's not a lot of water. Here is what I've set up inside my tent. So, my first challenge was a sleeping bag. I looked online at camping pads and tent pads. Uh, I thought about inflatable mattress, which just seemed like I was moving too far away from camping in my backyard if I put an inflatable mattress out here. But what I remembered is that in my basement I had this old cushion that went to an outdoor porch swing. And I thought, oh, that would work great. I don't need to order anything. And that's what I have out here. It's just the old cushion that went to a three-person porch swing. And I have my sleeping bag on top of that. And that's been great. other thing that I want to do out here was to be able to watch TV, which is kind of stupid because I'm supposed to be out here kind of appreciate, appreciating the great outdoors, or at least my backyard. But anyways, <laughs> I brought out a tablet. It was kind of a problem of how to set it up so that I can, like, lay back and watch TV in my tent. But finally, what I, what I jerry-rigged was I took a long piece of wire and there's a, a hook at the very top, or at least a loop, at the very top of my tent, and I just attach the wire 
to that. And then I attach my tablet that's in a case that has a handle on it to the wire. So I can just lie in my sleeping bag with my tablet floating in the air like two feet above my head. I just lie there and I can watch my tablet shows on my tablet that way. So that worked out great. Um, there's not a lot of other things that I've done in the tent. I mean, that I've had to set up. It's pretty barren here. Oh, my other challenge was like a chair. Because I don't always want to just lay my back in my tent. I want to sit up sometimes. I initially had these really soft camping. Oh, they're more like bleacher seats. But there's no support in them really. They were too floppy. I tried that and I didn't like it. I thought about bringing like a beach chair in here. I'm worried though that it might poke a hole through the bottom of the tent. So I ended up ordering another type of bleacher seat, which is a lot more rigid. And it arrived, and it's it's in my house. I haven't brought it out here yet, but it works great inside my house. Yeah. So other than that, there's really not much going on inside my tent. So to get to my final problem, which is a real bummer that I've had with sleeping in my tent, which is why I haven't slept out here in the past week or two weeks. So I slept in my tent for, I don't know, I think it was six or seven days straight. I really enjoyed it. It was fantastic. And then I woke up one morning and my back was killing me. It really hurt. It hurt to walk, it hurt to bend over. And maybe it's not causal. I don't know. But I'm worried that because maybe my back is, has not been used to sleeping on the hard ground. sitting in my den, but it's been about a week, and it's definitely decreased a lot, but the pain hasn't totally gone away. My plan is to, I'm going to wait a few more days, and I should really wait until the pain just fully goes away. So I also got that chair, so that way when I'm out here and I'm just sitting, I'm not sitting with a really bad posture and without support. So I'll use that bleacher chair with the, as the kind of frame built into it, and I'll sit in there while 
enjoy my tent. So, I don't know. I mean, it's... I want to say it's likely that it was either the way I was sitting or the way I was sleeping my tent did it. Because that rarely happens. But it has happened in the past. I just can't remember what the cause was. And it wasn't a tent. So... I'm a mix of optimistic and pessimistic about if it's going to continue to be a problem. Other than that, I really enjoyed sleeping in my tent and sleeping in my backyard and sleeping in the hammock on the clear nights. It's been kind of fun challenges of trying to solve those little problems as they pop up. Alright. I think that's really the summary of my backyard experience. So maybe I'll, I'll have some more tales from the backyard in the future. my back is a little bit better. If you get a chance to get a tent or get one of those hammocks with the mosquito netting built into it, I really, I really would still encourage you to. It's something super peaceful. episode. Tonight I'll be sharing some updates about that episode I did when I told you about camping in my backyard. <laughs> it was in bonus episode 63. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, then you can uh, listen to that one first. But no big deal, or if you don't remember it, no big deal, because I'll refresh you and remind you, uh, give you a summary so I can get you up to date, because this episode is about my latest attempt to camp and sleep in my backyard. So first off, I hope you can sounds of the night. Can you hear that? I, don't, I think they're crickets. I don't know what they are. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're crickets. Alright, so let me first give you the background and tell you this new thing that I'm doing. So, what I've tried before in my backyard 
is I first tried a hammock and I strung this up between two trees and it had a mosquito net on it and it was great. I slept overnight. I was off the ground. I could see the stars and the bucks couldn't get me. The big downside to the hammock was it kind of squished me like a burrito. <laughs> and so that wasn't always super comfortable. I, I couldn't move around. So then I moved on to a ground tent. You know, like a normal, traditional tent on the ground. I pulled one out of my garage that was really old. And it had holes in it. Not huge holes, but small holes that I plugged up and wasn't going to be a good choice, so I ordered, ordered a new tent, and if you remember, it was great, except it did leak a little bit, so if there was a lot of groundwater, or just some rain, it still got into the tent, and settled in the tent in these little tiny puddles. So that was kind of a big concern about it, especially because it was brand new. So then I ordered, well, no, I didn't order, like I didn't pay for it. What I did was I contacted the company who made that tent, and I just said, is, is this supposed to, <laughs> silly to say, but is this supposed to leak? They said no, and they sent me a brand new tent, and that was super nice of them, but I never, or I haven't yet, used that new tent, and I didn't use that new tent, because the other problem I had with the ground tent situation was that my back hurt from sleeping on the ground, I think. I, I, I'm not 100% sure that was the problem, but at about the time that I started, or no, at the same time that I started sleeping in my tent, my back started really hurting me, and I just assumed or postulated that it was because I was hard, lumpy ground. So then I, I just had to stop camping in my backyard for a while. And that's really where I think this story and the experience I shared in bonus episode number 63 where all that ended. So now we're picking up from there. And I have good news. I found a new way to camp in my backyard and I'm staying dry in my backyard.
just start with a cock. You know, like some basic old cock that you, you might see in the army. <laughs> it's just like uh, a piece of canvas strung into between a couple of supports that then has some legs on it. You know, it maybe folds up, it doesn't fold up, but it's just really basic of canvas sling that's in a basic frame that is like a mini bed, just a cot. Alright, so you got that visualized, a cot. Now stick a very narrow tent on top of that cot. Bing-a-boom-a-boom. That's a cot tent. I didn't know they existed either until I saw one and I thought, oh, that's fantastic. I think that's going to work really well for me. I'll describe it a little bit more so to help you visualize it. It is kind of shaped like a very tall bread box. So it is narrow. is basically just from head to toe. So I I barely fit in it lengthwise. My head almost touches the one end and my toes, if I point them out, will touch the other end. And the width is, imagine if you held your elbows out to the side. When I do that, I touch both the sides of the tent. So the tent truly is the width and the length of an average cot. For the height of it, I'm sitting up in it right now and I have lots of headroom. There's probably, okay, if I, if I stretch my hand
So that is basically it, just one of the big walls is the door. And then there's just two windows, one in front of me and one behind me.
on sides, so it's not perfect. But first, the benefits. The first one, which you have probably already figured out, or I told you, I don't even remember. But of course, it is that I'm not sleeping directly on the ground. So if that was the cause of my back problem, I solved it, and my back hasn't been hurting. I've slept out here a bunch, and it's really good, because I'm just sleeping on a cot, not super, and I have, I have the lumpiest lawn, it's so lumpy, so that's been great. Another benefit of being elevated doesn't matter how wet the ground is. Nothing's going to seep in from underneath in this tent. So I don't really need to worry about puddles being underneath my tent. Can you hear that? It's sirens. Alright. I think the sirens are done. Another benefit is it's easier to get in and out. One thing that I didn't like about the ground tent is was getting in and getting out of it as I get older. It's more difficult to rise up from the ground into a standing position. And then when you have to maneuver through the door flap of the tent, it's just it's just a pain. But in an elevated tent, super easy. Just swing your legs onto the ground, and boom, you're ready to go. So when I get into the tent, I just, I leave my shoes right on the ground. And so when I get out of the tent, I just swing my legs over, put my feet into my shoes, and I'm good to go. Another benefit of this tent, which I didn't know it was going to be a benefit until I went to remove my ground tent, and that's that this elevated tent doesn't kill the grass. <laughs> so when I removed the ground tent, it had backyard in this perfect square shape and sure enough my wife noticed it and she laughed about it I was like yeah sorry about that so that's great about this one is if you were thinking about doing backyard camping in a cotton you don't have to worry about killing your grass uh, and I think my last benefit that I can think of for this content is that it's easy to move around. So if you want to set it up in one place in your backyard and then you change your mind, it's not like a ground tent that's a pain in the butt. Like you have to almost disassemble it, drag it, reassemble it. This one, because it is directly secured to the cot, that you can just drag the cot and 
looks like some the normal tent 
say it is very quiet out here. I don't really hear any cars, any birds, dogs, or even the air conditioner HVAC unit that tends to go off. Wow. So far, so good. sound. 
promise that's right in front of me, so uh, I'll just turn my head while I do it. That may or may not have sounded like good stereo. I, I, I kind of wish it was noisier out here, because then you could hear the separate noises on each side. Right now, it's it's so quiet. All right. So anyway, that's why my my microphones or my audio sounds different than what I record inside of my studio. If you're new to listening to me do one of my backyard camping episodes. I'll give you a summary of what I've done in the past summers to get you caught up to date as to how what I'm doing this summer is different from prior summers. And for those of you who have heard those before, if you're like me, then you probably have forgotten (laughs) the different things I've tried. First thing I tried was I bought a outdoor hammock that you put between two trees and it had a built-in mosquito net and I slept outside in that several times and I really liked it. It was so cozy and comfortable. that it was too snug. Once you crawled inside it, you couldn't really move. I would just feel like a banana waiting to be peeled. (laughs) So from there, I bought a kind of a, a normal outdoor like a dome tent, uh, small, made for like two to three people. It just goes on the ground, and it's not tall enough to stand up in. So that was great. Now I had a lot more room, so I put down a little uh, cushion on the ground, my sleeping bag, my pillow. I put it on the ground. That was a great improvement to comfort and movement. Uh, I think I have a, a plane going overhead. Alright, I'm going to pause it until the plane goes by. Alright, I think the plane is mostly gone. The dome dent on the ground first worked well. And then the first major problem was water. It leaked. And so then water got in there and that became a pain. Because I'd have to sleep in one corner of the tent. And the other part would start filling up with water. So I bought another ground tent. And that one worked better. 
But then my next major problem was I woke up one morning and my back was really killing me. And I guess it was just from sleeping on the ground. For the next several days, I just wobbled around with my back really hurting. And so I didn't want to go back to that sleeping on the ground situation if that was the problem. Maybe it was just accidentally coincidental. And then the third major problem of the dome tent on the grass was that it killed the grass. <laughs> so when I took the tent down because I wasn't using it because I was waiting for my back to heal, the grass underneath was dead. So I had to move on to a new method for camping my backyard that would give me more room than a, ha than a hammock. It wouldn't gather water inside and it wouldn't kill my grass. And so that's when I moved on to the cot style tent, which is a tent that's on a cot. So if you can picture a, a, a cot, like a army cot, or I don't know, however you visualize a cot, it's got legs on it. So those legs sit on the ground, and then the tent sits on top of the cot. And that worked great. It didn't kill the grass. It didn't fill up with water. And I had more room than a, a hammock. But it was less room than the tent because it was a one-person uh, cot tent. But it was still better than the hammock. The problems I then ran into with that cot was designed still allowed rain and wetness to get in up into the cot. So I had to buy more kind of pads and cushions and sleep on those so that way when the cot got wet a little bit that it wasn't as bothersome I couldn't feel the wetness. It still worked, but that was kind of a pain in the butt to deal with. The other problem is that it only had two small windows, screen windows. There was one at my foot and the other one at my head. And as the summer got warmer, didn't allow for enough airflow. The entire roof was uh, typical waterproof tent material. There was no screen or good ventilation. So as I was in this small little tent area and my body created heat and the heat from the summer would just 
collect in the tent. I bought a chargeable, rechargeable fan, and I put that in the tent, and that helped a little bit, but it still got really stuffy and hot inside that tent. And that's where I ended last summer, was trying to decide what I would do this summer to solve all those problems. And that's what I'm in now, is my latest attempt to resolve or avoid all those problems. start with problem number one, not being too cramped. So going back to the hammock, that was just too small of the space, of a space. And even the cot tent, which was basically two feet by six feet, was also a very small space, is the tent I'm in now is say a six person tent. It's basically ten feet by ten feet. Very high dome style. And I can stand up and walk around in it. So I have lots of room in this tent. There's no issues with space.
closed that because they didn't have screen roofs on them. Not only was the heat trapped, but I couldn't see the stars at night.
I still feel the cool night air and I get to see the stars and I get to hear dogs bark. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's another problem that this tent solves that I forgot to list off with my other tents. A problem with the hammock in the cot tent is that they were only big enough for me so my wife couldn't join me and she actually got very jealous when I bought the cot tent and I was sleeping in the backyard in the cot tent because it was only it's only a single person cot tent when I had the the dome tent I can't remember if she ever joined me for that because I think the water was such an issue that I said no I still gotta figure this whole thing out it's we're, if we both sleep in there we're just gonna get wet so I don't think she ever joined me in the small dome tent on the grass so that was another consideration which is a, another big reason that I got a 10 by 10 foot uh, tent was so my wife could join me out here and sure enough she has in fact I had to kick her out to do this recording <laughs> she was all snuck up in her cot inside here and she was sleeping and I had to say go on you gotta I gotta kick you out so I can do my recording. Which means, yes, I had to buy another cot. So inside the tent are two cots. So if she's in here, then we just push the cots together. And if she's not in here, then I can kind of pull the cots apart. You may be thinking, why didn't I just buy a single large, like, queen-size cot? Because they do sell them. They have um, double-person cots. And that would have been um, better in some ways. Because you don't have to worry about kind of the, the bar in the middle. They're designed to feel like a single bed, but when I push the two cots together, it kind of feels like two cots pushed together. But there are several upsides to having two single cots. The first upside is that it was cheaper to do that. I'd already owned that single cot. So having to buy just one other single cot was cheaper than having to buy a double person cot. Another benefit is that when you pull the two cots apart and it creates that space in the middle, all you need to do now is put a table between them and you have a nice picnic eating area in the middle of your cot whereas it wouldn't work that well 
other advantage is if we had some friends over and they had two kids. So some of our friends have two kids and they both wanted to sleep in the tent because kids would think this is fun. It's like a fort out here. It's probably better if you can pull those cots apart then the kids probably wouldn't want to sleep together in one large bed. So overall, I'm happy so far with these uh, these two cots being single cots, separate cots. There is another advantage of having two separate cots instead of one large cot, which I didn't anticipate. And it has to do with watching movies inside the tent at night which is one of the big reasons that my wife was excited to join me out here because now we could have movie night together outside in the tent in the summer. The way I set it up is really simple because I have these two separate cards. I have a music stand. So if you can picture an orchestra or a symphony and you know the music stands that musicians put their sheet music on so I have a music stand just like that and all I need to do is put the music stand in between the cots push the cots together and then I take my iPad and I put it on the music stand right between us So that is what we did tonight, is we pushed the cots together, we had the music stand in between, put the iPad on there, and we watched a movie together, and then she fell asleep, and then I snuck up, I went back inside, I got all my recording equipment, and I came back out and she was still asleep. And I felt bad. I'm like, I gotta kick you out. <laughs> I want to record this episode tonight. Because my plan is to get it uploaded and posted tomorrow. Which, I mean, doesn't mean anything to you when you hear this. Because when you listen, it won't be this exact moment for me. Okay, I think you understand how time works.
like she was being left out of movie night when we came in, in into the tent. So we were in the tent for our first movie night, and we're all zipped up, meaning that everything's zipped closed. And we hear this precious little meowing outside the tent, just a little meow, little meow. And she was basically saying, what's going on inside there? Let me in. So I unzipped the door, and I wasn't sure if she was going to come in. I've never seen her inside a tent, and she gets pretty weird sometimes. She was hesitant. But then she very gingerly walked into the tent, walked around, and finally just settled in. So by the time the movie had started, she was up on the cot, lying on one of us, and watching the movie with us in our little tent. <laughs> it was precious. Yes, it was. But then, that created a problem, because we have a cat door for our house, and we have a cat doors, we, we have cat doors in most of our doors inside our house. So she is used to going in and out of rooms whenever she wants. She is used to freedom. So the problem was, how was she going to get in and out of the tent all by herself? So at first, it wasn't a problem. She would jump down and want to get out. She'd meow. We'd unzip the door, let her out, and then zip it shut. The problem was, when she would want to get back in, she would get anxious and impatient. And she'd meow, but then she'd start clawing at the tent for us to let her in. And of course, that is the worst thing she could do to this tent, is to put her claws into it. Here is what I did, and I'm amazed it worked. The, oh, here comes another plane. Can you hear it? Alright, I'm going to pause it. I think it's mostly gone. It may be evident that I couldn't just leave the door, the tent door, open because we didn't want bugs getting in. And my wife will freak out if there's any kind of bug. Not because she's afraid of bugs, but she just hates them. <laughs> like, it's, it's not fear. It's this strange hunter-driven anger. We have three fly swatters in our kitchen because as soon as she sees a fly, she goes on the hunt for it. It's, it's weird. It's like a cat chasing a laser pointer. So we couldn't just leave the tent door open. So instead, the tent door has a zipper that runs along the very bottom. And what I did was I trained her to push her face or her paw through the bottom slit that I left unzipped. 
episode of Sleep Whispers, an extra treat for my Silk Plus members. This is bonus episode number 94, and it is part four of my annual <laughs> Camping in My Backyard series. Every summer, I share set up this summer 
let me begin by refreshing you about how I got to this point. And so, I can hear it creaking. So the wind is blowing. And so you might hear this creaking sound. And then there's, there's also a, um, like a fabric on the outside that is blowing in the wind. So you may hear that also. But anyway, let me tell you how I got to this point by telling you, kind of summarizing all my prior attempts at camping in my backyard. I won't go into the details for each one of these. You can go back and listen or re-listen to all those prior bonus episodes. But here is a summary of each one to help explain how I got to this point in bonus episode number 63. That was part one. It was the first episode I did about backyard camping because what I had done was I bought a hammock and I strung it between two trees and it, it had a mosquito netting over the top of it and I, I slept in that overnight for several nights. And that was my first attempt at backyard camping. The biggest downside of that was <laughs> I felt like chopped beef squeezed inside a burrito. It was just the way the hammock was. It was the kind that just wrap all around you. So from there, I upgraded to a ground tent. So this was a very, a very typical two-person small tent. And I just put it on the grass in my backyard. <laughs> the problem with this one was it had been sitting in my garage for several years and parts of it had degraded. There were holes in the screen, holes in the other parts of the tent. And so bugs got in, it leaked. So my next step in my evolution was I bought a brand new two-person ground tent. I solved all the bug in the rain problems, mostly. It did leak a little bit. But the problem that I had with the ground tent was that sleeping on the ground suddenly started to hurt my back. And I got a backache for several days. And I didn't want to sleeping on the ground if that was the reason. 
discovered when I packed up the tent was those ground tents were killing my grass. <laughs> so there was this huge footprint where the tent had been sitting and my grass was all dead there. So I now had to come up with a new way to do backyard camping without killing the grass. And that's where part two picks up in bonus episode number 68. In that one, I explain how I bought a elevated tent, or it might also be called a cocked tent. It's a very small one-person tent that sits on top of a cocked. So if you picture like some military barracks, <laughs> like a, a, that type of just fold-up cot. So what was really good about that is because the cot sat on my grass and it had legs on under it. It didn't kill my grass. The problem with the elevated tent is it was really small and it got really hot inside. And it did get wet inside when it rained. So I was fixing one problem and then getting some new problems. And that's the summary of part two. Then, so I had to come up with a, another backyard camping idea. And that's where part three picks up, which is in bonus episode number 77. <laughs> All right, so I wanted something larger, a larger tent. And I didn't want to kill my grass. So what I did in part three was I bought a large, it was either a four or a six person tent. And I put it on my deck in my backyard. So I didn't have to worry about it killing the grass. Now, one of the big reasons that I wanted a larger tent is that my wife saw me doing all this backyard camping with my hammock and my little tent and then my little mini cock tent and she wanted to join me so that's why I got the four-person tent so now I could fit two like almost beds inside it so her and I could camp overnight together in this larger tent. And the other thing that we really like to do together is to watch TV at night inside the tent. It's a nice backyard nighttime experience. And because it's inside a tent, then we didn't have problems with 
bugs and mosquitoes. So overall, it really worked in every way that I wanted it to. <laughs> but picture this situation. You walk out into my, out my back door, onto my back deck. And when you look on the deck, you see, like, <laughs> this huge tent taking up all this space on the deck. And it, it just didn't serve any additional purpose besides being just a tent on my deck. Meaning, what we also wanted to do was to have a place outside that we could have dinner. Now, we could eat dinner inside this tent, but it didn't feel like a nice outdoor dining experience where we're at a nice patio table with normal chairs. I mean, we could just sit inside the tent and eat cans of beans and <laughs> feel like we're actually camping. But that's when I got the idea for what I'm sitting in today because my goal was to have something in my backyard that I could sleep in at night and my wife could join me and we could watch TV at night and if we wanted to we could have a nice fine outside dinner at a little patio table with normal chairs so welcome to part four now my first idea was to buy one of those pop-up tents. Can you visualize those? They are usually 10 feet by 10 feet. They have a fabric or canvas kind of roof on them and they fold up pretty easily or fold. They You can fold them. They also go by the name of pop-up tents and you can get them with mosquito netting so oh and the other important thing is <laughs> they're relatively cheap you can get a 10 foot by 10 foot pop-up tent for a hundred dollars it it's somewhat rare but I've seen them on sale for as low as $100. So these pop-up tents, they're commonly used for uh, backyard parties. Um, when you go to like a farmer's market or a flea market, people usually use these pop-up tents to sell their fruits, vegetables, or whatever they're selling. If you go to an expo, they have these 10 foot by 10 foot pop-up tents inside the expo 
where people are selling stuff. So I think you can visualize exactly what I'm talking about. So this was my initial vision. I was going to buy one of those, make sure, make sure that it was the type that had the mosquito netting included, and use that as my new attempt at, did you hear those thumps? I don't know what that was, I think that was my neighbor. <laughs> I was going to use this 10 by 10 pop-up tent, 10 by 10 pop-up tent, yeah, uh, as my backyard camping situation, but I was going to put it on my deck. And what I started doing then was reading the reviews that people were posting on Amazon. Most of the reviews that were positive would say something like, I've put it up uh, five days ago and it's beautiful. It's working really well. I really love it. We eat outside at night, blah, blah, blah. But then when you get to the, like the one star, two star reviews, what they were saying they would say something like, we've had our pop-up tent up for a couple weeks. Did you just hear the air conditioner turn on? And now I think here comes a plane. Uh, hold on, I'll, I'll pause this and restart it. Alright, hopefully the plane's gone. In the one or two star reviews, they'd say, we've had our tent, our pop-up tent, up for a couple weeks, and it was great until we had a storm. And they would show these pictures of these pop-up tents that were just destroyed by a real big, you know, thunderstorm, meaning the wind would just wreck these things. And that really makes sense. Like it's not the fault of these pop-up tents. Because they, and this is, this is what I summarized or concluded or understood, is that a pop-up tent is not meant to be used long-term. You're not supposed to put it up in your backyard and leave it there for several weeks. They're meant to be used for a party in your backyard or at the farmer's market or at the flea market or inside an expo, meaning just temporary. You put it up, you take it down, and if that's how you use it, then it's it works great. So I was worried that I was going to put up one of these pop tents to try to save money on my deck. And after a few weeks, a big storm would come and just wreck the thing. So I did not buy one. And instead, I went with a hard top tent. Except once the, 
once these 10 by 10 structures have a hard top on them, they tend not to call them a tent anymore, but they use the fun word of gazebo. And they, they look exactly the same. A 10 by 10 pop-up tent and a 10 by 10 gazebo look exactly the same, except the gazebo has a hard top roof. And then the poles tend to be a lot sturdier. And the whole thing is just a lot sturdier. These structures are meant to be left up for a couple months, depending upon the quality that you buy. The cheaper ones probably are, are not necessarily meant to uh, withstand the winter because the problem in the winter is that even though these can have a hard roof, a hard top, they're really not meant to hold a lot of snow. So that can be the the problem. Alright, so what is the cost difference between a cheap uh, pop-up tent and a cheap gazebo? It's a big jump. A gazebo is going to be five times up to 20 times or more expensive than a fabric top pop-up tent. Uh, <laughs> I was not happy about that. I took a lot of time thinking about, okay, you know, should I give this a try or not? So what I did was I bought the cheapest hard top gazebo that I could find. It's still a lot more expensive than a pop-up tent, but I just, I wasn't ready to pull the trigger on a really expensive hard top gazebo. So I bought the cheapest one. When the boxes arrived, it came in boxes. It took me about two days to assemble it. The most of the structure wasn't that hard. I did it by myself, except the roof. The roof was a pain. It comes in, I can count them, one, two, three, four, sixteen and these are they're not fiberglass they're some kind of really stiff plastic but they didn't fit together easily and I, I really had to wrestle with them the really cool thing that I didn't expect about this roof is it's 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 see-through <laughs> so it really lets in a lot of 
really anticipating that. I was just, I just wanted a hard top. So this is a type of hard plastic that allows light through, which is, I think that was a nice extra bonus. Alright, once I got it fully assembled, the next thing I did was I put on the mosquito netting. So this goes around all four sides. And it's got a zipper opening at each side, so you can walk in and out any of the four sides. And then there's another fabric that goes outside the mosquito netting. This fabric also has a zipper opening in the middle on each of the four sides. The main purpose of the fabric is privacy. So if I'm sleeping in here at night, I may not necessarily want, I don't know, people peeking at me while I'm sleeping in here. Uh, so I tend to pull at least some of those shut in certain directions so I feel like I have a little more privacy while I'm sleeping. Or for watching TV and, I don't know, we're just self-conscious of sitting back here with a big glowing light in our face. The other thing I like about the fabric is it's not waterproof, but if it starts to rain really hard, then I just close all the fabric so at least the rain doesn't blow into the middle of the gazebo. It works pretty well for that. Alright, how about the stability of this structure? And I know that was a concern that my wife had and that I had because I'd seen those pictures of those other pop-up tents that, had, that blew off the person's back deck. And my wife just knows that I generally tend to buy cheap things. So I wanted to make sure that I made it nice and secure. So visualize when you walk out onto someone's deck and you know how there's a wooden handrail or railing or banister that goes on the edge of the deck. What I did was I took this this four post structure and I pushed it into the corner of the deck up against the railing. So this meant three of the poles were now pressed up against the wooden railing. And then I took heavy-duty zip ties and I zip tied each of the poles or the three that were touching the railing and I zip tied those to the railing. So now it gave it a lot more stability. Like it's not going to blow off my porch unless or my deck unless my deck also blows away. And the other thing that I did is at the base, at the bottom of the four posts that form the 
structure. There are holes in the bottom of those bowls, which are meant for you to, um, you can nail them down, you can put screws down. If it's in your backyard, you can put little small stakes through them to keep the bowls secured at their bases. So I used um, wood screws and I put wood screws to hold the, the bottom part of the bowls right to my deck floor. So we feel pretty good that this is secure. <laughs> yeah, wait until part five when I do this next summer and I tell you this thing blew away. <laughs> secured, I added some lights inside. So just very simple, you know, like Christmas tree lights. I just put them on the ceiling and that adds nice ambiance. And then I put some outdoor rugs on the floor that make up the floor. So right on top of my deck. Like this, this gazebo I bought doesn't have a built-in floor. It just sits right on my deck. So I put a bunch of rugs down. One, because that feels better. I'd rather walk on these rugs than right on my deck. And the other reason is that, just like most decks, you know how there's that space between the boards of your deck floor? Well, I didn't want mosquitoes coming up through those gaps. So that was another benefit of putting down the rugs. I also moved um, a patio, a small patio table inside the gazebo and a couple chairs. And we tested it like it was, it was awesome for outside dining on our deck with mosquito netting all around us. We didn't feel like we were in a tent. We felt like we were in a, just a, a netted uh, gazebo, I guess. Once it passed the outside dinner test, we then did the outside evening TV watching test. Now, when I say TV watching, I did not drag a huge TV into the gazebo. We just take a tablet and we put it in front of us and we just watch TV on the tablet. Now, last year, we did this inside that that actual tent. And inside the tent last year, I had those two sleeping cots, which were great for sleeping on. But one thing I didn't like about them is when we watched TV, they were kind of hard to sit up and watch TV. We had to stack all these pillows behind us. So one of my new goals for this year was to create a better um, seating situation 
on the tablet. My goal was I wanted to find multi-purpose chaise lounge chairs. <laughs> so I wanted a single type of chair that would allow me to sit up straight and sit at a table and eat a meal if I wanted to. That would also recline for watching TV in the tent. I also wanted this chaise lounge chair to go perfectly flat for sleeping. It was kind of a big challenge. Initially, what I thought might work is those chaise lounge chairs that are called zero gravity chairs. They're just like fold-up chairs and they just call them zero gravity. Those types are very good for reclining and watching TV or sitting out in the sun. But when I really looked at them and I read the details, those zero gravity chairs do not allow you to sit upright and do not go perfectly flat. So I, I didn't end up buying those. I started looking for a chaise lounge chair that does go flat. But what I noticed is I did find some that will go perfectly flat and you can kind of sit up and recline. But they don't have support at the head and the feet when it's perfectly flat. So that's kind of dangerous. What I kept looking for was a chaise lounge chair that when it when they make it go flat that it really has three or four points of contact. Um, meaning like something uh, like two in the middle and then another at the head and then another at the foot so it's really stable and I did I found a couple so I bought them and when they were flat they worked really good for sleeping well okay for sleeping they felt stable so I slept overnight in the gazebo and yes they felt stable but you know, if you can visualize sleeping on a chaise lounge chair, they're pretty narrow. And the chair also has armrests. So you're kind of constrained as you sleep in this really narrow space. For watching TV, they were pretty good. So they reclined. And my wife and I sat side by side watching the tablet and it worked pretty well except the they have armrests and so it made it hard for us to <laughs> cuddle and sprawl on each other as we watch TV which is how we watch TV we don't sit there like zombies staring at the TV we like to cuddle and lay over each other. 
So that was kind of a downside of those chairs. That meant I had to continue my hunt for what could work better. And then I walked inside my bedroom and I realized in my bedroom I had this small futon which is on a metal frame. It's actually a really cheap futon. It's a two-seater futon. It's really light because it's a metal frame with just these cushions that pop on and pop off. It's the size of a mini love seat. Well, this was perfect. And it was so light and easy to move. I carried it out to the gazebo, set it up in front of the iPad, and now we had a mini love seat inside the gazebo, which was so much better than the chaise lounge chairs. Now, if you picture a two-seater love seat futon, you probably think, well, but you can't sleep on that. Except this little mini futon that I have, the arm sides fold down and it turns from a two-seater uh, futon into a bed. <laughs> and it was perfect for sleeping also. It was much wider than the chaise lounge. It has a thick cushion. There's no armrests. So it's been perfect. You may be wondering how we set up the tablet. Well, because I make podcasts, I have a lot of uh, microphone equipment. So I have a microphone stand. If you picture a singer on a stage or a comedian on a stage that has a mic stand, all I do is I put a mic stand like that in front of us and my tablet uh, has a case that has a handle. And so I just hang the tablet on the mic stand at eye height and we just watch it that way. The first night in the gazebo when we watched the tablet, I noticed that it the audio didn't sound that great because we were using the speakers that are built into the tablet. So then I so what I did was I got a Bluetooth uh, speaker and I put that behind us and oh that was so much better <laughs> so if you watch a tablet outside just get yourself a, a large Bluetooth speaker so that way it sounds a lot better we did have a, a problem and when we were out here whether it was watching TV or even when I slept overnight in here, 
I did notice that some mosquitoes or gnats or something were still getting inside the gazebo. And so if you ever buy one of these types of gazebos or anything like this, look at the top of the mosquito netting. This one that I bought, there's a gap between the top of the netting and the outside. Basically, mosquitoes can still get in. This is not mosquito proof. And I'm sure there are some gazebos that are much better made. Like I said, I bought the cheapest gazebo with a hard top. So I'm even lucky that this thing has any mosquito netting included with it. So I had to come up with a way to fix that. <laughs> uh, you probably have never seen one of these things. Just go to Amazon and type in patio umbrella mosquito netting. <laughs> and what you'll see is that if you have a patio table, you know, with an, uh, an umbrella that sticks in the middle of it, you can buy this huge mosquito net that lays on top of the umbrella and it creates this great outside mosquito net protection while you sit outside at your patio table. I had bought one of these about a year ago, but I never used it. So I remembered I had that. <laughs> so I basically took this huge mosquito netting and I put it over the top of the gazebo. And so it hangs down at the top along the sides and it almost perfectly covers up that gap up high. So now I feel like I went from 85% mosquito proof gazebo to, I'll call this 98% proof, uh, mosquito proof. Yeah, a little upgrade. <laughs> Alright, so what is my biggest worry about my new gazebo? I'm happy with most everything about it the way it is right now, but my biggest worry is that in the winter it's going to snow hard and it's going to cave in this roof. <laughs> so I think it even says on wherever I bought this from that it is not meant to hold a lot of snow. I am not going to dismantle this roof before winter because it was too hard to assemble. So my challenge over the winter is going to be to come out here when it snows hard and brush off the snow before it accumulates on top. You may hear me do my episode next summer in part five and I may have some horrible news that the roof caved in. 
So stay tuned for that. If it, if it does happen, then I just need to think about getting a stronger roof. Or I just end my backyard camping series. <laughs> I don't know. I guess we'll see. is my big update for Backyard Camping Part 4 2023 Stay tuned for a possible Part 5 episode of Sleep Whispers. Now, my intention for this outdoor whispered recording was that I was going to do it after or during like a snowstorm because it can be so quiet afterwards and I, I haven't done that kind of recording yet of in snow and then I could walk in the snow and it would have that nice snow crunch sound to it. My reason that I thought I'd be able to do that at this time of the year, meaning this week, is there's been a lot of predictions for this winter for there being a lot of snow. Or another way to put it generally is a prediction for a lot of precipitation during the cold season. Well, they got that sort of right because as you can probably hear, it is raining <laughs> and I'm sitting inside my outdoor tent. I think this is my, my second outdoor rain recording. I, I think I did one before where I was either in my tent or walking around outside with an umbrella. I can't remember. Okay, now you're going to hear something else. Not just the rain, but the wind is blowing and so it's blowing the sides of my tent so you hear all that fabric swaying in the in the wind can you hear that and if you hear like a little metal uh, clinking sound those are the zippers on the tent flaps Serve as 
some kind of chestnut thing in its mouth, hung out for a while, and accidentally left the chestnut behind? Or was the little squirrel thing creature planning on making my tent its winter storage facility? Which, think about it, how ideal would that be? Where am I going to hide all my nuts? Oh look, here's this great outdoor facility. I can just put them all in there. Well, I don't think that's really happened. Because when I came up today, there were no fresh pile of nuts on my couch.
every several days, I would get a little bit worried um, if there was maybe mold growing on the, the cushions because they're designed for indoor use and throughout the summer and now going into the fall and then heading into the winter, there's going to be a lot of humidity and rain and wetness and all of that could cause some problems in the, the cushions that came with the futon. So I knew I needed to get a better option with my two big hopes. One, it could be something that is designed to be outside and it comes with a very suitable footrest. Good news. I found something that has really worked out well. The material is designed for outdoor use. I know I'm going to say this wrong. Raton. And it's, it looks like wicker weaved material, but it's plastic. I'm sure you know how to say that word. So it is made out of this plastic material that is created for leaving it outside. I assume the cushions also have whatever material is better, more ideal, um, suitable for being outside. Alright, that's the general material. So what does it look like? It's a two-seater loveseat with brown fabric upholstery on it. Now, it has some really cool features, which made it ideal for being out here in the tent for what we want to use it for. The back that you lean against can decline, so you can either sit up straight or you can recline a little bit, or both the backrests go completely flat. I haven't done it yet, but we could sleep out here and have an overnight, more realistic camping experience. The additional important thing for that visual is that the footrest is the exact width of the love seat. So if you do make the backrests go flat, then you just push the footrest up against the front of it. And it's now the, the length of a human body. And it's the width of two human bodies. Ooh, that wind's kicking up. Now the fabric is moving all around in the wind. But the roof and the poles are not moving. So that's that's a good sign. The other really cool feature of this new outdoor love seat is that it has built-in tables, side tables, on each end. So if bring drinks and snacks. 
it's it's built into the side of the love seat on each side is you just kind of lift up this little handle and then a side table just pops up and so you don't need to put tables around it which is good because then they're not in the way if you need a table you just pop up the little mini side table that comes out of the side of it and when you're done you push it back down and then it's out of the way so my wife and I were really happy with this love seat upgrade oh one other feature that it has is oh actually there's two <laughs> the footrest is also storage so you can put some items inside the footrest whether they're pillows blankets and you can also put the cushion that goes on top of the footrest inside the footrest and then the footrest pushes underneath the love seat so if you don't want to use the footrest or it's in the way it easily slides or pushes underneath the love seat and just disappears yeah so again we have been very happy with this so that is all the updates that I can recall about the Mega Ten. Now, the thing I want to talk to you about for the rest of this episode is how ridiculous it is that I refer to what I do out here as camping inside a tent <laughs> because I'm in my backyard I'm not even on grass I'm on my back porch this isn't even a tent really it's a 10 by 10 gazebo that I just call a tent <laughs> so I do want to acknowledge how ridiculous I am that I call this camping and I call this structure a tent to give you reassurance that I really do understand what a real tent is. I brought up the Wikipedia page that explains what a tent is. So I figured I would have some extra time in this episode and I decided what I would do with the extra time is just read some information about tents, real tents, all types of real tents. And this Wikipedia page is not going to mention anywhere that putting a gazebo on your back porch qualifies as a tent. of a tent. A tent is a shelter consisting of sheets of fabric or other material.
steaks or dead pigs aren't the only thing from that definition that applies to what I'm doing is the word fabric <laughs> that's it the article then start talking about the origin of tents tents were first used as portable homes by nomads but tents are now more often used for recreational camping and as temporary shelters now they talk about how tents can differ in sizes with something really large being like a circus tent and then a small the smallest size tent is a bivouac I don't know what a bivouac is. Do you know what a bivouac is? I've heard the word before. I'm gonna assume from the context of this statement, it's a tent for one person. I'm gonna click the link and see what they, how they explain a bivouac. A bivouac shelter or bivy is any of a variety of improvised campsite or shelter that is usually of a temporary nature used especially by soldiers okay that's that's how I've heard it referred is bivouac and soldiers but I couldn't have told you what that meant I might have guessed it was their food I don't know um, but it's a shelter that's also used by people who are backpacking, bikepacking, scouting, or mountain climbing. What is the origin of the word bivouac? It explains that it derives from a Swiss-German word that means watch or patrol. It referred to an additional watch that would be maintained by a military or civilian force to increase vigilance at an encampment. Alright, that didn't really explain why bivouac means a tent for one person. Unless, I guess it evolved to mean that when they were on duty or they were guarding something that maybe would happen overnight. And so they would need to sleep there or, I don't know, get out of the wind. I'm going to go back to the article about tents and dig some more into the history of tents. It says, a form of tent called a teepee, noted for its cone shape and beak, smoke hole was also used by Native American tribes and Aboriginal Canadians of the Plains Indians since ancient times. So yeah, I can visualize a teepee. Tents were used at least as far back as the early Iron Age. They are mentioned in the Bible, for example, in Genesis 4.20, Jabal 
So the other material is nylon and polyester, which they're not just water resistant, but they're much lighter, so easier to carry around. It notes here that the UV light tends to destroy them, breaks down the chemicals in the nylon and polyester. I'll just let this run for a little bit. So, in case you like this rain.